Week two of the Leafs season is officially underway, and you know what that means, don't you, Ryan? I do, buddy. It means episode two, Talking Buds podcast. Let's go. The following is a Furnished Brothers production. Introducing your hosts, Rob and Ryan. Please welcome to the Talking Buds podcast. Exactly what it is. Talking Buds podcast has returned for its second straight week. Ryan, we just watched the Maple Leafs put on another offensive show and a seven-four win against the Dallas Stars. Where where to begin? I mean, it's been it's been an offensive show over four games and a defense. <laughs> Not quite a defensive show, but an offense. I can't even believe the offense we've seen in the last four games. Well, for better or for worse, my friend, good or bad, this team is so entertaining on the good side and the bad side. All these goals, they're filling the net, and they're letting other teams fill their net. But when you're sitting down and watching these games, man, you couldn't ask for anything more entertainment-wise when it comes to hockey. This is just, it's insanity. Like, it's 5-2 tonight against the Stars, and I'm sitting there being like, you know what, this game is not over. This game is not over. So when this team st- hits the ice, it's it, anything could happen, man. They're, they're just, they're, they're crazy. They're, they're so entertaining, and it's insane. Between the Leafs and their four opponents through four games, 37 total goals. No, I love on the broadcast, they're like, maybe this is the year Babs goes gray because... <laughs> holy man like some of the chances in front of the net it's just like oh boy oh boy oh boy yeah we'll we'll get into the defensive struggles but i think through four games you know they're they're three and one um the overtime win against the habs the loss to ottawa the insanity that went on sunday night in chicago and then again just now against dallas the the number one storyline through four games is the offense is as advertised yeah oh yeah man seven goals for austin matthews six for john Tavares. the rest of the team has seven goals combined unbelievable the power play is insane you you look at the point totals on the team like these guys if you want to have a big year and some of these guys are going into contract years don't forget that but if you want a big year, starting off the year with the point total some of these guys have, Riley already has 10. Riley's tied with Matthew, 10, Matthews, 10 points already. That is just insanity. And Marner had a four-point night. Like, man, this is the, if you want to have a big year in the league and put your stamp on the record books and have those point totals, this is, this is how you do it. You start off with huge starts like this. It's so exciting. I do. I do think let's, we should take a few minutes here and talk about Austin Matthews. We we, last week when we did our player previews for the season, we talked about how Matthews, we're all excited about the acquisition of Tavares who has six goals himself, but Austin Matthews, we called him the franchise last week and He's exactly that. He is playing. You just watch him out there. He operates at a higher level than everybody else on the ice. The way he sees the game, the way he moves, it's it's un- he is so so dangerous in the offensive zone. When I watch Austin Matthews play this year and what's different 
and what I didn't expect compared to the last two years is just his, his speed has gotten so much better. He is so much better on his feet. He is flying out there, and he's so strong on the puck. And it just seems like like this guy, he just finds that opportunity in the offensive zone on a on a game-to-game basis. And he just has that gift, man. When he gets that shot off, it, it's going in more times than not. Most dangerous shot in the league. Most dangerous shot in the league. Even more than Ovechkin. Well, it's a little bit different. Ovi kind of sets up in his office and... Gets that little one-timer, and he's getting more of a slap shot. He's got a better slap shot. But Austin Matthews, when he gets that rich shot off, man, like, I don't know what it is. You're watching him this year, and he's, his confidence is just out of this world compared to what it was before. He's yeah, flying. He, yeah, he's he's going to get he's gonna get that McDavid contract at the end of the season. He keeps playing like this, and as long as he stays healthy. He, he, he didn't look like this. He battled with injuries last year, but... He, through four games, man, he is just on another level. I see the same scoring ability I've seen the past two years out of him. It's just his confidence with the puck through the neutral zone and in the offensive zone, holding on to it, making decisions. Guys can't knock him off the puck. He's a big boy. He's finally using that size to his... That's his strength, his size. He's a big boy, and he can shoot the puck, and he's finally, finally putting it all together and... Yeah, he's had a couple pretty good years points-wise, but you look at him now, it's like maybe this is the year, maybe this is the year where he takes the step towards that McDavid level, point level, near that 90-100 mark because he's off to an unreal start. And if he's going to do that, he's gotta, he had to have to start like this, and he has. So it's going to be, hopefully he keeps it up, man. We can't talk about unreal starts and not mention John Tavares. On the panel on TSN tonight, they talked about the competition that's going on between those two, and you saw it happen on the goal where we thought the first one that we thought Tavares scored, which ended up being Matthew's second. Matthews clearly looks at him and goes, did that go off you? And so Tavares has six goals in his own right. It's This one-two punch is incredible. He's Johnny on the spot. I keep calling him Johnny on the spot. I know it's that's a, that's a saying used for a bunch of different things, but he just seems to always be in the right position around the net to get that tap in or to get that tip. And I know he doesn't have any assists so far, but like, who cares, man? Like his work down low. That's what I've noticed the most too, is his work behind the goal line is something that like we talked last week about this team's struggles in the past of sustained pressure in the offensive zone, the way he's able to get the puck down low and move in his hands down there. It's such a breath of fresh air to see that after what we've seen the last couple of years. Agreed. And honestly, I like his possess like they they struggle in their own end. It's no secret. But I like his poise in his own end too. He's always supporting the D down low. It goes a little unnoticed because at the end of the night they still give up a ton of shots and a, and a ton of goals, but I really like his play down low in his own end too, but he just has that ability to be in the right spot in front of the opposing net just to get that tap in or that tip and he's just he's so good he's may not be the fastest guy on the team or on the ice but it doesn't matter his positioning is just unbelievable and you couldn't ask for a better start and I'm sitting there tonight being like Johnny man you made the right decision I know yeah I know you had more money somewhere else but you sat down and you crunched those numbers and you made the right decision 
coming to a team that you could put up some huge career numbers for yourself, buddy. Good on you. Yeah. So since we're talking about those two, I want to use it as I want to try and segue into Mike Babcock. And now Austin Matthews seemingly has a puck-retrieving winger, the likes of Zach Hyman in Kasperi Kapanen. You heard Babcock. You actually pointed this out to me. What You know what? I'm going to let you say it because you pointed it out to me. What did Babcock say before the pregame about Kasperi Kapanen? Well, I don't think anyone was surprised this morning when they were... Everyone is obviously excited that Kapanen's moving up. I feel like everyone in the back of their minds kind of wanted to see this. Like, I know Tyler Ennis is a, is a, is a fine player, but... We all see the skill and speed that Kapanen has, and you think with Nylander being gone, that Kapanen would be a suitable fit for that top line. So, of course, everyone's asking him about this morning. He makes the change in Chicago, and of course, the first thing he says is, Cappy, uh, you know, Cappy, good player, but uh, he's got to be more like Hyman. And he was like Hyman tonight. You saw two instances tonight where they made a similar play. Kapanen going in and digging the puck out and getting it back for the Ron Hainsey goal, and then Hyman... W- what an effort to beat out that icing, which led to Tavares' second goal. Yeah, two plays in the game where they show the effort they have to use, have to have every single night when they're playing. Like to beat out both those icings, it's two huge goals, and that's the difference in the game. And Casper Captain, you watch him play, and he has finish. Like I, I think he's a top six forward. I know that might be a little too soon, but. He has everything you need to be a top six forward. He can fly. He's so and the thing fast. I like about him, yeah, he can fly. And the thing I like about him that kind of sets him apart, and I know there's going to be people who disagree. For the record, let's just be 100% clear. Neither one of us is proclaiming right now that he's a better hockey player than William Nylander. What we are saying is he's a better fit there than Tyler Ennis was. And I just... One thing I like about Kapanen that I didn't see, I haven't seen in the years Nylander's been here, is his willingness to be aggressive, go in the corner, and be first on the puck. You saw in the Boston series last year a few examples of Nylander kind of being soft on the puck, as skilled players tend to be most of the time. But I really, really like that Kapanen is not afraid to go in those corners and dig out the puck and get it back. And that is what I think Babs is talking about when I says he needs to be more like Hyman. At the same time, though, against Babcock's point, yeah, he needs to be more like Hyman in terms of the work level. But in terms of actually getting the puck and an opportunity to score, I'll take Casper Cabin in 100 times over 100 over Zach Hyman. Like, the guy can actually finish, man. Like, he can actually make plays and he can actually finish. And I love Zach Hyman to death. Guy is probably the best four checker I've ever seen in my life. Like, just skates his ass off all the time. But... With Kapanen, it's just like, I you love a guy on that line. You love a guy on Matthew's wing that can actually finish or make a play. Like that first Matthew's goal tonight. Kapanen loses the puck first, gets it back, and then finds Matthew's in that open area. And the guy scores, and there you go. And there's another example where you're sitting at home being like, you know what? I love Willie, but this is a guy on this line that can make you miss him a little bit less. He, I think he's that good. All right, let's keep the we're, – we're on a positive roll here, Ryan. We're on a positive roll. We just watched them pick up a win. We've had two incredibly entertaining games in a roll, so let's keep the positivity going here. Let's not talk about 
the top six for a while, and I want to know what you've seen in the bottom six. There's a little bit of a change in the line, lineup tonight. Freddie the Goat drawing in. Par Lindholm up to the third line to play with Nazem Kadri and Josh Levo. What are you seeing out of that bottom six group right now? Well, it was it was Kadri, Lindholm, and uh, who's the other guy? Kadri, Lindholm, and... Levo. No, Levo wasn't on the line. It was Kadri, Lindholm, and Brown. Oh, right, yes, downtown Connor Brown. Yeah, it was it was Brown. You know what? I thought the bottom six skated really good tonight. The fourth line had a couple great shifts in the Freddy offensive the zone. Freddie the Goat looked pretty good tonight. For a guy who's traditionally been really slow, I thought he looked pretty good tonight. Yeah, I think I just think all you can ask for out of your fourth line is just it spend some time in the offensive zone. I thought they were like we always harp on them. They don't keep the puck in the own in their uh, ozone long enough. Don't cycle it around. I thought they did an unbelievable job of that. And that's really all you can ask from your fourth line. And Janssen leaves the lineup, but you know what? Like what we we could just sit here and make an argument for the guy. He didn't do much in his first couple games. He's a fast skater, but he's just kind of skating around doing kind of nothing. And I kind of the benefits of having, sorry to cut you off, Ryan. One of the benefits of having all those guys down there is you can kind of rotate them in and out, right? Like I won't be surprised if you eventually see Lindholm take a shift up in the press box, Levo potentially. Like, I think that's going to be a group that Babcock is constantly changing and playing with all season long. Yeah. I think the three guys who are going to be fighting themselves out of the press box are going to be, uh, Ennis, Levo and Janssen. I, I honestly, I'm impressed with Par Lindholm. I know he's not a world beater. He's not a guy where you look at and be like, this guy's a, a difference maker, a game breaker. But you know what? He does some good things on the ice. You, you, you don't watch the game being like, oh, Lindholm, come on, dude. Like he's just kind of out there making good plays, getting the puck out, being aggressive in the offensive zone. I actually liked him on that line with Kadri tonight. And Nazi, I we all know Nazi's attitude. He's he's got that cocky confidence, and I kind of I kind of feel for him a little bit because here's Matthews with seven, here's Tavares with six, and Cadre's there with zero. And he it's had like three this is what good we were chances tonight. Yeah, but like as a guy, he's happy for the team success, obviously. But this is the new Toronto Maple Leafs with John Tavares being in their lineup. Cadre gets pushed down, and he's not going to see that same offensive opportunity and I kind of felt for him a little bit but you know what you're three and one get over it you're an NHL hockey player you'll get your opportunities you're still on that first power play he'll find his chances but you know what I just I could just be I could put myself in his mind right now and I could just tell he's he's probably sitting there being like oh I don't have a goal yet but you know what he'll get his own but I thought the I thought the bottom six skated great tonight well he I'll use this like I touched on this earlier about Babcock moving around Kapanen and Hyman so I'll use Kadri and kind of bring it back to that is tonight Babs recognized that Kadri was moving a little bit so it gave him a few shifts on Matthew's wing and sat Kapanen for a bit I've been I've ragged I said it last week I said it all last year I've ragged a lot in the past on Mike Babcock's stubbornness and seemingly like just being unwilling to make a change waiting too long to make a change and through the first four games I have to give the man credit he has made changes he's shuffled lines he's when it hasn't been working he's been quick to make the adjustments at least from what I've seen and I give I gotta give him credit I think they they struggled on Saturday night against Ottawa and he came right back in Chicago on Sunday night and moved Kaplan up there and 
I take my hat off to Babs right now. Yeah, well, you know what? That's what we were all looking for, him to to pull the trigger. I feel like in the past, he didn't really pull the trigger with Hyman because we all know how he feels about Hyman. Like, he, I, I can't see him demoting a guy he loves that much. He has his favorites. He wears he wears a Hyman jersey under his suit. But he has no, he has no love for Tyler Ennis yet. And Kapanen is, you can't ignore his skills. So I, I don't blame, like, I, he had no other choice, really. He saw that they weren't moving. So he said, who can I move up here? He picked Kapanen, and it worked out. All right, Ryan. We, about 15 minutes here of positivity. I, it's time that we got to touch on it. For as excited as we can be and have been about the offense, the defense is... They're not winning a Stanley Cup with this sort of defensive play. Can we both agree on that? Yeah, it's hard to ignore. As a fan, I'm a diehard. I uh, I try to be optimistic, but it's it is hard to see them getting through four rounds with giving up the amount of goals they've given up so far this season. I know it's early, but we know the Leafs. I I doubt that they're going to all of a sudden hatch it down and give up one goal a game. So I, I think I can agree with that. What what are the defensive problems? Because for the most part tonight, this Dallas game in particular, because it's fresh in my mind, I didn't think they were that awful. Like there were a few instances like Ron Hainsey getting torched by Tyler Sagan. But I thought I thought Zaitsev, who I've traditionally been pretty hard on, had a good game tonight. Morgan Riley, as you said earlier, has 10 points. So like what's going on? Why are they still so ineffective in their own zone? I know this is... People tend to not agree with me because they like to harp on Gardner. Gardner's the easy guy to go after. And then Dermott was kind of... I didn't really notice Dermott too much. He made a couple okay plays in the offensive zone. But I guess if you don't notice him, then he's doing his own... He's doing a job on his own end. And I thought Oshiganov played his best game of the year tonight. But I, I also have a problem with the way their forwards play in their own end. Because I... I they talked about that on the broadcast tonight about the forwards blowing the zone. Oh my! Way I, too it's just, you know what? A defenseman. I get the stretch pass. Gardner tries to make a stretch pass that's a little out of his out of his element sometimes, and he makes a bad mistake, and it looks bad on Gardner. But when you're a defenseman, and the puck is dumped into your end, and you're moving back to get that puck, and there is someone barreling in on you 100 miles an hour ready to hit you and take the puck off you, you need that outlet to make a pass. And to me, if you are a defenseman, you need to rely on your forwards to be in position to take a pass. So if they're not in position, what what happens? The defenseman gets the puck, throws it up the boards, no one's there, and it goes to the other team, and then it looks bad on that defenseman. And it's not always the forwards' fault. It's not always the defenseman's fault. But honestly, I would like to see the Leafs' wingers be in position more in their own end to take a pass because the reason why they make so many stretch passes because they're not in their own end. They're in the neutral zone waiting to get out already. That's the con to all this offense is the forwards are getting a little goal happy and they don't, everyone's trying to cheat and break out of the zone too soon. And that's, yeah. And I I don't want to be the guy who's like trying to find a bunch of reasons why they can't win even though they're three and one. But for me, just watching this year, last year, the year before, with this forward group that's kind of been the same, well, the top, the cores have kind of been the same. I would just like to see the wingers get in position in their own end a little bit because you need that outlet to make a pass. If you don't have that guy, then it looks like a giveaway. And sometimes it is a giveaway, but sometimes it's not. But 
usually it always looks like it. So I think sometimes we harp on the D a little too much for stuff in their own end. But I think their D, they're just not that fast. Like, I was watching them tonight, and yeah, they were okay. And in the first four games, they, they were they struggled a lot more in the first three games prior to this one. You know, tonight, again, they gave up, they gave up uh, five goals tonight, four goals, excuse me. But the, the, I agree, this was their best defensive effort of the season so far. And we're doing this pod after this game. So obviously this game is the most fresh in our mind and it's the most fresh in everyone else's mind who've been watching all the games. But we can't really forget the first three games. They weren't great. Some brutal giveaways, some bad coverage, the, the, the gaps in the new... Yeah, the, the Ottawa game. The Ottawa game on Saturday night, man. They That was brutal. Yeah, the gaps Saturday in the night. neutral zone. Like They give the forwards way too much time in the neutral zone. They give the forwards way too much space in their own end. The gap control is pretty brutal, even though I can't stand all these hockey terms like gap control and, and changing the angles and half walls, but I'll use it in this instance. The, the half wall. Yeah, the half wall. How many times I hear that? Changing the angle. Like It's just... It, I can't stand them, but... I'll, <laughs> The half wall. <laughs> oh, they love that half wall, buddy. And then and now they got the new the new term for the power play, the the bumper guy. <laughs> the bumper guy in the offensive zone. <laughs> that, that it's that you know I heard that for the first time tonight. Maybe I haven't been paying attention before. Oh my but god! Everyone who watches oh the broadcast. Uh, yeah, everyone who watches the broadcast get used to the bumper guy. The bumper that's, guy. Yeah, that's the new uh, that's the new <laughs> term for the guy uh, on the power play. Huh. Well, you know what, Ryan? Like the defense. Here's the thing, Babs. I, they were joking tonight about how Babs is going to have gray hair, and they got the Red Wings on Thursday. That should be another game like the last two we've seen. But then after that, like let, let me read you off the next six games they have after that. The opponents ready: the Washington Capitals, the Los Angeles Kings, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the St. Louis Blues. And then a home and home with the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, so they're all playing teams. A lot of those teams made the playoffs last year. Uh, and it, it, you know what? This is the test they need because the first four teams they played so far did not make the playoffs last year. Given Chicago's not exactly a walk and Dallas has a lot of offensive skill. Actually, no, their one line is an offensive skill. The Dallas Stars, three other lines are a bunch they really of, are a bunch a of stiffs. But uh, a really undisciplined team as well. Yeah, and you know what, Montreal, they got outskated to hell against Montreal. Like they, they just they got outskated that entire game. They walked their skill and against Ottawa too, man. They got outworked two. Yeah, games their in skill a row. won them that first game. They got outworked the second game, and their skill couldn't win you that game. The the Sunday night game was just insane. But at least they skated, and I thought tonight was their best effort skating game of the year. And they're gonna they're gonna just keep needing to build on each game, get better with the effort, get better in their own zone. But we go, everyone's always like, "Well, Babcock systems this," it, but I can't. I'm not in the room. I don't know. I don't know if it's the players just not listening or if it's Babcock just teaching. I have a hard time believing Mike Babcock is just at practice being like. Oh, all right, boys, you just uh, freewheel out there and uh, we'll play some Randy Carlisle Leaf hockey from a couple of years ago. I think part of the issue with the guys being so young is like what I said earlier, where they're getting a little goal score happy. I also think, Ryan, that the def- they just don't have, like, Riley 
is is still growing and becoming that guy, but they just don't have a, the stay-at-home stud back there. Like, they just don't. And so, and you need those types of defensive players when you have offensive players. Like, it's like a perfect storm of why they're not very good defensively, in my opinion. It's an offensive team. All the players like to be offensive. Even the defensemen, Gardner, Dermott. Like, these are guys who like to jump up in the rush and also score goals. So, I, it's, I agree. I don't think Babs is, like, trying to get them to play with the Randy Carl run and gun. But... It's, it's just like I said, it's a perfect storm of the mixture of guys that they have, right? So they're going to they're gonna get exposed in these next few games. Like you think you think the the Winnipeg Jets are coming in here and the Leafs are going to be able to play no, that way defensively no. against them? No. But at the same time, it is the National Hockey League. You can catch anyone on any given night. But in the we're looking at the big picture here, way down the line when it's – Late in the season, they're battling for position in the playoffs. They get in the playoffs. It's these types of defensive woes that are going to end up costing them. And they're just going to have to keep steadily. Like, no one's coming. Like, there's no one coming to help. Like, I love all the guys, but you should trade Nylander for a defenseman. It's like, that's not happening. No one's coming. This is what we have. Hainsey's old. He looks slow. He's He looks so slow out there. Riley is fast. He's producing a ton of points. He looks a little bit better back there. Gardner's Gardner. Zaitsev, I'm not as hard on Zaitsev as everyone else is. And they won tonight, so he he played okay. So we're a little positive on him right now. But usually people harp on Zaitsev pretty hard. And you know what? I I don't mind him. I don't think he's that bad. At least he's physical on his own end. Like, yeah, he doesn't always make the smartest decision with the puck. But I like him in his own end. He's physical. And Dermot's kind of been... Uh, he's, he's on the third pairing. He doesn't really get much opportunity. He's still growing. And I thought Oshiganoff, he's just he just looks like he's a step behind the league right now. Or a half a step. But I thought tonight was a positive step towards him being a better hockey player. Because I thought he made better decisions with the puck. His size is, is better than Connor Carrick. I know Connor Carrick can squat 700 pounds, but... He's pretty small out there, so I thought Oshiganov, you know what, they just got, this is all they have. They just have to do, they just got to score out their problems. Let's just look at the way it is. All right, Ryan. It's time to debut our new segment. We wanted to do some sort of thumbs up, thumbs down segment, but shows, I, I don't like that name. That's a cliche name. How many podcasts have a thumbs up, thumbs down? Oh, it's the most cliche, boring name you could you could think of. Let's get something new. Let's get something new going. So here's what we're going to do. The debut edition on Talking Buds of Who's a Bum and Who's a Beauty. Right in our way of house, buddy. Who is a bum? Who is a beauty? For the record, let's just clarify the rules for this. Just because we call someone a beauty or a bum this week doesn't mean they can't redeem themselves next week. So this or, is not or a... completely be a bum the next week. Exactly, they could stay in the doghouse. So I'll let you go first, Ryan. Let's start off positive. Who is your beauty of the week? My absolute beauty. For the beginning of the season and the first week is my buddy on the back end, Morgan Riley. And 
I know it's a bit of an obvious choice because he's their best defenseman, but I'm just going to give him the beauty status because this guy has just gotten better every single year he's been in the league. And it's hard to believe how long he's been in the league considering his age. I think he's only like 25 and he's already played a a ton of NHL games, but he's my beauty because I just like seeing him get out to the start offensively. He's gotten out too, and there hasn't really been any glaring defensive weaknesses from him so far either but for me he is my beauty because of the 10 points and that is the start you need to have one of those Eric Carlson 60 70 point seasons as a defenseman and I just feel like he's probably the the natural leader in the locker room every interview I've seen with the Leafs he seems to be the guy who he's like he's in with everyone you know like when you're in a locker room there's there's different there's different clicks. There's different guys who look closer with each other. I feel like he's the guy who kind of connects everyone. And he's my beauty just for the start he's had, the amount of points, and just the guy he's been for the Toronto Maple Leafs over the past couple of years. Morgan Riley, you're my beauty. I appreciate that choice because I did a similar thing. It, the easy choices are to pick Matthews, Tavares, Marner, but it's the other guys who have helped made the made, helped get the team to 3-1. and one. And that's why my choice is Casper Kapanen. Hat tip to Babs for giving him the shot to get up on that line and play with Austin Matthews through two games. He has made the most of it. His speed is incredible. His willingness to go in and retrieve pucks is also incredible. I just, he is, William Nylander will be sitting at home a little longer if Casperi Kapanen keeps playing the way he's playing and it's I'm really happy for the guy you know we got him in the Phil Kessel trade yes and- that is a very important point for me is you look at some of these deals around the league over the past couple of years where star players are dealt when we dealt Phil Kessel yes we had to retain salary but you got a first rounder and you got Casperi Kapanen which is looking pretty good right now exactly I agree all right who is your bum of the week my bum of the week is Josh Levo and you know what I I kind of feel bad for picking on him because you know they won tonight so everything seems pretty positive you know they're three and one we're being kind of positive but I'm gonna call him out on being a bum because I am sick and tired of this goes back a little bit for me but I'm sick and tired of the Levo lovers the the people who will go and die for Josh Levo defending him. Because last year and the year before, this guy has seen limited, limited NHL ice time. And yes, it's hurt his development. And yes, he probably is catching up. So I'm probably being a little unfair. But I'm honestly calling maybe the bum is more the Levo fans, not Levo. Because when you watch this guy play, he, he's he's a nice player. He, he's, a, he's a nice hockey player. He's a fine player. But... When you're watching him play, you know what? Like this guy is hasn't proved anything to me to be in an NHL lineup. If he's up in the press box tomorrow or on uh, on Thursday, I, I'm not going to bat an eyelash because he is just one of those players. He's on the ice. He's just got to work hard, but he really doesn't bring anything where you're like, man, this guy's unbelievable in his own zone. Man, he's a great penalty killer. Man, he's great on the power play. He's just kind of—he's just kind of there. He's just just, there, taking up space. So he just kind of floats around out there. Yeah, like I'm more mad at the people who just constantly stick up for this guy, and it's just like you know what? Yeah, he's a good guy, probably, but let's not 
live and die with Josh Levo being in the press box or not. He's one of those tweeners who's always going to be up and down. He doesn't have Babcock's trust. So he's my bum just because I know what I feel bad calling him a bum, but he's my bum because I can't stand the people who just Direct stick up for this shot guy at the Levo supporters. I know it's it more to, it's towards the Levo supporters. Levo support and get out of here. Yeah. Like, you know what? I think it's unfair to call up a bub so far, but it's just the support that some people give him is just to me. It's just a little too much. Well, you got to call him a bum. Cause that's the name. Yeah, exactly. The you know what? I feel like a bum might be too negative for the guy, but I'll call the Levo supporters a bum. Okay. Ryan, it's time for my bum of the week. And like you, I don't feel it's entirely fair to say this about him because he did get a goal tonight. But my bum of the week is Ron Hainsey. His age is starting to show turnovers in the neutral zone, turnovers in his own zone, can't make a stretch pass, got absolutely torched by Tyler Sagan tonight. Again, I'll cut the guy some slack. I feel bad calling him a bum, but again, it's the name of the segment, so I have to. Babcock has this guy playing in a top pair role, and he's just not a top pair defenseman at this point in his career, and it's really starting to show. But to our earlier point about the defense as a whole, I don't know who else you put in there. So while he's in this role, he's constantly being exposed for his age, for the fact that he's slow, for the fact that the guy just cannot, like you see some of the passes that Dermot and even Gardner and like they're making tonight. Haynes, he can't do any of that. And sure he got the goal, but that was captain going in, retrieving the puck, putting it on his stick. And then Bish, it just squeaks through Bishop. So, Ron Hainsey is my bum of the week. The only thing I'll give Ron Hainsey is at least when he got that puck on the point, at least he just got rid of it quick along the ice with a wrist shot that it, it could have been deflected because I hate these defensemen who get this get the puck on the point and they feel the need to try and take every single player's head off towards the net. Put the puck along the ice. Get rid of it quickly. Why do we have to have these slap shots where it's, everyone has to watch their faces every time a guy winds up for a slap shot. So that's the only thing I'll give Ron Hainsey on that goal. At least he put it along the ice. Good shot to deflect. And you know what, Ron, his age is showing. And Babcock kills him on the penalty kill. But I understand your bum take. I'll cut him a little more slack. But it's early in the season. It's hard to call a guy's bum so far. But... And, Plus, this pod, I, I can't wait for the pod after the game where they get dummied because this one's oh, been kind of... be... Yeah, the list of bums is going to be a mile long. Yeah, like because this kind of all rosy, you know, we're feeling happy. All these guys got a ton of points. You know what? It's been ugly, but they're 3-1. and one. This is kind of what we expected, but I honestly can't wait for the pod where they lose 5-1 and they're awful. We're going to come on here and just be completely different human beings, just running down everyone on the roster, but... That's that's bums or beauties. That's it for you. All right, Ryan. It's that time. How we're going to end every show for the rest of the season. It's time for the totally unqualified takes. I'll go first. I'm not going to have like a player-centric take. We've gone over the next six games. I'm going to say the Maple Leafs will win four of the next six games against the 
against the teams that they played. Let me reiterate those teams one more time if anyone forgot who they were. The Detroit Red Wings, the Washington Capitals, the LA Kings, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the St. Louis Blues, and the Winnipeg Jets. So outside of the Red Wings, that's five tough games. And I think this team is playing so well offensively right now. Freddie's got to pick up the slack. We haven't mentioned Freddie tonight, but Freddie's got to hold up his end of the bargain. And I think the Leafs will win four of the next six games. All right. All right. That's that. That's your take. You know what? Since we didn't mention Freddie, I'll throw him in mind. Frederick Anderson will be my totally unqualified take because I think he will show zero improvement from his last couple performances. I thought he played extremely well against Montreal. I thought he was great that game. He wasn't so great against Ottawa. He didn't get a chance to play Sunday. We didn't really talk about Garrett Sparks either, but there's only so much time we have to fill. But I think that Frederick Anderson, just in October, it's like a curse for the guy. And I just don't see him coming out against the Washington Capitals or even the Red Wings. You know what? The Red Wings, on paper, don't look great, but you've seen how they've played against two teams, the Montreal Canadiens and the Ottawa Senators, how they've played against those two teams who aren't seen as so great. They've played horribly. They've been outskated, outworked, and it's like they've gone into the game thinking two points are in the bag, and they get completely surprised, and they look awful. But I think Frederick Anderson, is there's something with him in October, and I honestly believe over the next, from the next time we get on the pod next week, he will show zero improvement and he will continue to let in three to five goals a game and his save percentage and goals against average will take a serious hit and his save percentage will probably stay in the 800s for the rest of October because that's how he's trended in the past and I see that continuing for Frederick Anderson. I saw someone tweet tonight the hunt for Fred October. I like that. Yeah, that's a good one. I hope that becomes a thing because he's always he's struggled. I think why we didn't really talk too much about the goaltending tonight is because we're really focused on how they're just horrible in their own end. So in fairness to any goalie, when you're getting pelted with that many shots and that many quality chances, it's hard to stand on your head night after night after night. That being said, I agree. Freddie has always struggled in October, and maybe you're right. So we have opposite unqualified takes. I'm going to need Freddie to play well for my take to be right, and you think he's not going to play well. So we'll see who's right next week. Yeah, and you know what? Fred, like, this pod has been mostly positive because of the start they've had, but we'll see where we're at in a week, man, because it might not be the same optimistic tone that we've had today. It could be a lot different heading into next week, buddy. All right. All right. Before we sign off, I just want to take a second and just say thank you to everyone who checked us out last week. Tons of positive feedback, tons of positive like and negative, which we appreciate any pointers anybody may have as long as you're not a dick. Yeah, don't be a dick. Tons of new. Yeah, tons of new followers on Instagram. Thank you, everybody. We Ryan and I started doing this because we just love the team and we wanted to talk about it. So the fact that anyone other than us is willing to listen to it and take time of their lives to do that, we appreciate it and thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. The support. Any hit up our Instagram is at Talking Buds Podcast. Our Twitter's at Talking Buds Podcast. Find us on SoundCloud. Find us on Mixcloud. We're going to be on iTunes and Spotify very, very soon. Also, YouTube. Don't forget YouTube. Yeah, don't forget YouTube, Talking Buds Podcast. But 
iTunes and Spotify will let you know as soon as we're up there. It's a little bit of a process. We're getting there. But I'd like to thank everyone. Feedback, positive, negative. We all take it into account. We want to make this show the best for you guys who listen. Thank you for listening. And I promise every week won't be as optimistic as this one. But since they're out to a 3-1 start, I, I like it. Let's go. All right. We'll catch you next week. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.